Hey, welcome to the Opposing Points podcast. Um, I wanted to briefly talk about uh, Sanjay Gupta's uh, visit into the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I will do a, a readout, maybe a little bit more commentary on some of the stuff I wrote about yesterday uh, regarding my article entitled Sanjay Gupta Goes Into the Lion's Den. Uh, Sanjay Gupta described his three-hour appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast as walking into the lion's den. Sanjay Gupta is the um, CNN doctor on call, essentially, uh, where he's uh, frequently dialed in um, to talk about COVID and other medical issues throughout the years. Um, And the focus, I think, in in conservative circles uh, was around Rogan pressing Gupta on how CNN framed his uh, taking of uh, ivermectin uh, horse dewormer. Um, as he recovered from COVID-19 infection, he took that, among other things, including uh, the monoclonal antibody treatment. I think the media, uh, notably, predictively perhaps, focused on the opposite sides of things, depending on whether you were dealing with right or left-wing media. Um, the right-wing media focused on on that, like I said, um, and I think the liberal media uh, focused on some other things that were misconstrued. Some of the other things that I thought that were talked about that were interesting uh, were medical marijuana. Uh, Rogan has long been a proponent of using uh, marijuana and, and other hallucinogenics. Um, and he opened the, the podcast by firstly complimenting uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta on reversing his stance on medical marijuana, uh, previously suggesting um, that it uh, would cause more harm than benefit up until about 2013, in which he publicly um, endorsed the use of medical marijuana. Um, so Rogan commended him for being a real thinking person in his assessment. Um, and I think that's an important debate that needs to be had, uh, regarding, uh, medical marijuana. I think there are studies on that that show its benefit. Um, and what Gupta, uh, mentioned was that, uh, when he had been researching the issue, basically 94% of the papers explored, um, whether there was no harm from it rather than if there was a benefit. And I think there have been countless benefits. He mentions one regarding um, using cannabis for um, uh, easing uh, refractory seizures in children. Um, some, some cancer patients use it to manage pain, um, and it has some other uses as well and some chronic diseases um, to ease people's suffering. Um, and so uh, Gupta uh, admitted that when, when he wrote that article and, and was about to publish it, uh, he, he admitted to wondering what the response to this reversal would be. Um, it was not necessarily the popular opinion either in 2013. Um, and, and we're getting to that now. And some states are, are more so legalizing it, like New York and Virginia. Um, and uh, Gupli, Gupta briefly reflects on, on how alcohol affects the brain as opposed to marijuana. Alcohol being something that was banned at one point, although it went underground as most banned things do, uh, which in which there is demand for. Um, and he called alcohol a sledgehammer to the brain, uh, which I think with which I think is interesting. Alcohol does a lot of damage and yet it is widely sold and, and consumed. Another thing that they, they, they talked about was, uh, how people perceive, uh, scientists to be arrogant. Um, and, and, Dr. Gupta referred to a study that says scientists are increasingly perceived this way and it bothered him. Um, and, and how that might be a troubling narrative, um, in, in the days of, of a pandemic in which we find ourselves in where people may sense their arrogance and don't want to listen to them. Um, 
and Rogan comments on how someone who may be discussing something that they've buried themselves in to study when others haven't can sometimes come off as arrogant because they have all this information while the other people they're dealing with may not necessarily have spent such time. Um, backseat drivers, so to speak. Um, and it's easy to kind of come off like you're trying to stifle those opinions. Rogan talks about um, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, uh, things becoming increasingly tense and antagonistic. Um, and I think this is a really interesting point. Um, you have a lot of gotcha questions from from the Fox News of the world when, um, you know, Peter Ducey, um, for example, at, at these press conferences. And then you have a, a different side of the aisle um, when you have a, a Trump presidency, perhaps. Um, and I think that points to an increasingly divisive media um, feeding on clicks and clickbait and news, uh, sensational news headlines. And it points to uh, our society where if you ingest conservative news, you see a vastly different feed than someone that may ingest liberal news. Uh, there's a really cool website that um, I heard about while listening to uh, Coleman Hughes podcast. And if, if, for those of you who haven't checked out Coleman Hughes, I think he's one of the most brilliant young minds uh, that I've heard. Um, and he talks about ground news, which basically is a, a, a neutral website that publishes stories that the left and the right are talking about. And uh, one of the features is, is blind spot. And it's easy to miss things when you ingest your news sources, your news from only certain sources. Very hard to get the full spectrum of what's happening. And who has the time to get the full spectrum of what's happening? When we've got a 24-7 news cycle and they need to fill up ratings. Um, and I think Gupta uh, takes this to, to, become, to, to bring up a very interesting point that COVID is a novel coronavirus and people categorize things according to their own views um, when it's unknown. We have these schemas that we have. We have. When we see something we don't know, we have to think about what we know already that can help us classify something. I think it's a natural human thing. You know, so COVID-19 comes out, we're like, this is the flu. This is what we you know, know. And COVID has the name novel in it and it had no box to belong to. Um, and so people put it in a box themselves based on what they already know. Um, and Gupta relates this back to a really sad story where his AC repair guy um, asked him about the vaccines that he and his family had been unvaccinated and that his daughter recently died. Uh, and, and on her deathbed, she, uh, or before she went on the ventilator, she told her father to get vac vaccinated. And I really appreciated the humility that Gupta shown, um, which I think is really important. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. When, you know, where we're lacking humility in society. Um, but he says, am I going to get pissed off by anti-vaxxers after spending time with that guy? There are those people that want to start shit, and I'm paraphrasing, but this guy, he wants to do it. He understands the consequences of not doing it. He just watched those consequences with his daughter. We've got to communicate the, that to people. If you're going to ask people to get boosters and you're asked, going to ask kids to get vaccinated, you have to explain it well. I think the messaging throughout this pandemic has been really poor, as I've discussed before. And I think it lends itself to the skepticism to people that are already skeptical of, of government because of conflicting narratives and changing goalposts. Um, I, I think uh, that uh, that throughout the interview overall, um, you know, Gupta and Joe Rogan are getting along really well. Um, but I think in many points, Gupta fails to explain and it almost looks like he, he crumbles at some points when he's pressed with by Joe Rogan 
I don't know if that's just the forcefulness uh, for which Joe Grimmergan has or if Gupta is not used to going on a show that doesn't have a talking head that won't push back um, and hang on to every word. They discuss children, so uh, vaccinating children for COVID-19. Um, Rogan questions whether kids should be vaccinated, whether there are real studies on COVID's impact on young kids. Um, most children dying from COVID, as well as adults, have pretty extreme comorbidities or underlying conditions, many having four or more of those comorbidities, whether it be diabetes, obesity. Um, and they go into a discussion of whether young boys ranging from 16 to 24 years old face a higher risk of myocarditis, which is essentially inflammation of the heart muscle, or adverse reactions from the vaccine rather than from COVID. Gupta goes into talking about what the background rate is um, and that they found, which is basically the incidence of myocarditis in the general population, which is basically 1,500 per million people. And they found that 0.8 per million for the first shot, and that rate jumps on the second shot to six per million for the second shot. And that's really not a lot in the scheme of things, but for those people that it happens to, it's significant when you're considering that an otherwise healthy young man may be able to beat off this virus relatively easily. And, and that's not to diminish the chances of severe side effects that may happen, but I think the decision really needs to be made between parents and their individual doctors and and blanket mandates for this is, 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 is a dangerous territory. Um, and uh, next, uh, they, they think that uh, he, he mentions that the rate, the rate of myocarditis from COVID is, is higher than with the vaccine. I, I think that when you group everyone together, that is true. Um, but when it comes down to this specific age range, there have been some studies that suggest that that is not true for 16 to 24 year old boys. And you're seeing some countries only do the one shot for for young for young adults um and marty mccary mentions mentions that potential method um and that the only children uh, that should be maybe given the full doses um, are those with comorbidities not to mention uh, the amount in the dose uh, should we vaccinate uh, a child with the same dosage given to an adult and and, and how do we measure that maybe a, a girl weighing 80 pounds and a, and a man weighing 300 how, do, how what are the benefits there i think i think um, we haven't seen very good uh, public relations communications on that. Um, so I, I think that's a really important point to consider. Um, one of the other things that they discuss uh, is a question is, is should we be making decisions based on the smaller percent of people having long-term symptoms? Is it a consequence of their personal unhealthy decisions? This is something Rogan obviously uh, believes very strongly that we live in a country that is, is looking for uh, a panacea through a vaccine rather than looking at other things that people can do. Obviously, we're kind of in the, in the moment now, um, but when you look at Krispy Kreme encouraging people to get a vaccine and getting a donut with it, those are really conflicting messages on health. We should, we, you know, vaccines are important to, 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 to stopping the spread of diseases and, and they've done so much for, for the world. Um, but, but personal responsibility does play a part for, for many people that are not, you know, born with unfortunate circumstances, um, genetic or otherwise that maybe don't allow them to, to be as healthy as possible. Um, but you know, Joe Rogan is clearly someone who's wealthy, um, exercises quite a bit. He's a fighter. Um, and he beat COVID in, in around five days, um, as, as was public, widely publicized. Um, and, Rogan talks about these cases of young people being hospitalized after receiving the vaccine. 
um, and that it's a legitimate concern when you're discussing the outcomes of also contracting COVID. Gupta admits to not knowing what the virus does to the body. It's novel and we're still learning. Organs are affected by the blood and the idea that the blood is affected by the virus is scary. And, he, and so he discusses the risk first reward for vaccinating children. Um, but he, he encourages people to, to look into the data and, and keep their minds open. Rogan also refers to him being at the comedy store where uh, vaccinated people were the only ones there and that they got and still spread COVID. Uh, but Gupta says that you're eight times less likely, according to the data, to be to be infected in the first place if you've been vaccinated. And that if you do get infected, you can carry the virus, transmit it. But um, he mentions a study out of Singapore that says your viral load comes down much faster, which means you're infectious for much less time. You can infect less people. Um, I don't believe that Gupta made an effective case for vaccinating children against COVID-19. Not to say that there isn't, um, but I don't think he did a good job of making the case. I, th I thought Rogan largely pinned him to the mat here um, in terms of this discussion. Um, and, and as I've said before, um, I think the decision to vaccinate should be left to parents and the doctor. Um, COVID-19 is not often thought of as a childhood disease such as polio that has a has a higher mortality rate or 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 lasting effects on the body, like immediate effects, you know, uh, than something like COVID-19 has been shown, although the, the data is not out yet on those long-term effects. But what, from what we see now, um, kid, kids are not experiencing at a large number that those, those, those severe outcomes. Um, they then move on to boosters. Gupta suggests that when you have such a high number of vaccinated people in the population, it makes sense that more people in the hospital will be vaccinated. Um, I agree with that. I think that makes sense. The idea is you don't want you know vaccinated people to, to, to end up sick, um, but it does make sense that you have the higher numbers. Um, those who tend to still be hospitalized while vaccinated do tend to be older and immunocompromised. Um, I, I think there are some people where the vaccine doesn't take as well, especially those that are on immunosuppressants. Um, they then move on to discussing the Biden's rollout of the boosters and in, in how uh, two, two of the head people at the FDA that have been there for a long time resigned over the Biden administration plan for boosters. Um, they announced that boosters would happen. They announced the date before um, without without any input from the FDA or CDC. They weren't part of the discussion. Um, and that paints a picture Gupta, in Gupta's opinion that it was not data driven and that it's political. Um, and uh, this leads uh, Gupta to remark that that he thinks that that was not the right way to go about things. Um, he also says that, and this is a really important point that was uh, hammered on by, by some, some media in the right wing, that um, if he got a breakthrough COVID, he would most likely be fine based on his feeling that the vaccine was wor working. And Rogan brings up this point multiple times, and I really feel like uh, Gupta did not interpret this question correctly. Um, and he said, you know, think about how you're feeling uh, about you, with your protection with the vaccine, that's how a lot of people feel um, with regards to them being young and healthy. And uh, Gupta interprets this to mean, are you saying I should get a booster? And that really wasn't the aim of what he was saying. I, I'm not sure if he was dodging the question or if he really didn't understand it, but I really felt that he did not show his expertise in how he interpreted that question. Uh Rogan also went to the argument, what's the argument against vaccinating vulnerable people only and not having a blanket approach to across the board vaccination? Um, and Gupta again points to the narrower window of transmitting the breakthrough into the eight times less likely to contract the virus while being vaccinated. 
Um, he argues that many childhood vaccines include multiple schedules and boosts, but the question is who needs the boosters and what the interval is. Rogan follows up with the question on what those long-term effects of the boosters are and whether there's data on more shots. Scoop surprised that there's no long-term data. We know what the vaccine does in the body, although he acknowledges we may not know the long-term effects without a doubt in five to 10 years, but that overall we have a long history of vaccines in this country. And if people have side effects, they're typically within 42 days. And that's why we waited two months for these safety studies to say, hey, let's roll this out because they could have rolled it out way sooner. Um, and he emphasized that we've seen 6 billion shots have been given and real world da data to make the case that this is a, one of the most studied uh, therapeutics or, or vaccines on the planet. They then go into the odds of whether uh, an unvaccinated child is less at risk than a doubly vaccinated adult. Um, Gupta believes that having antibodies as a general rule makes you safer than not and that it's not just about life and death and points again to long haulers. And Joe Rogan again hammers on this point about the consequences of the vaccine. Um, why is that okay for him to feel that way versus a child? Um, and he suggests that a kid can get sick, and despite breakthroughs in adults, the breakthrough is not common. And he and he falls back on this again and again throughout the interview. Um, and Gupta was not aware of the study that suggests that the child is more likely to be hospitalized by the adverse effects of the vaccine as opposed to the disease. Rogan pulls it up, and and Gupta promises to look really further into it. Um, and and some of the data that. Gupta pulls out around myocarditis covers all ages and not just boys. Um, and so I really didn't feel like he did a great job addressing that. Um, and also uh, Gupta points to the, to the asymptomatic spread uh, responsible for the majority of majority, uh, majority of some of the spread of this uh, pandemic, um, which I think is, is something that could be considered a use case for vaccination on a wide scale. Um, some of the adverse effects they discuss, uh, Rogan personally knows someone in their 20s who had two heart attacks and a stroke four days after they received the vaccine. Rogan asks if it's possible that the vaccine was injected improperly into a vein and caused these rare instances of horrific side effects. And they talk a little bit about aspirating, which basically means after the needle enters the skin, the person administering the vaccine briefly pulls the, back the plunger at the tip. And if the needle is in the vein, the syringe will draw up the droplets of blood, which would show that you need to remove the needle because you've, you're in a vein um, and you can cause potentially bad side effects if you do that. Um, and Rogan also cites uh, personal anecdotes and a study that people who had already gotten COVID were more likely to have a severe reaction to the vaccine than people who had not. And uh, Gupta remarks that this is why some people are only giving one shot to someone who's previously been infected. And then they both agree that we need to change the definition of what vaccinated means and that it shouldn't just mean you get two shots rather if you've had previous infection that you can demonstrate and you get one shot of covid vaccine that you should be considered fully vaccinated um i think they both agree on that point in regards to therapeutics uh, gupta remarks that he's not seen data other than from the company um and they talk about it's uh, how it's healthy to be skeptical uh, because the companies have incentives to hide any bad side effects and they've been busted before Pfizer uh, specifically was fined $2.3 billion for fraudulent market marketing and pleading guilty to violating the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act when they with their drug Bexta, B-E-X-T-A. Um, and so Gupta says that when they first said the the, the shot was 95% effective and that it took, it took very little time to develop, he did homework and dig and dig dug deep. And if if the Merck data on their on their pill uh, holds up, uh, it would be more effective than Tamiflu is for the flu. And they then get into discussing risk and how it's framed. 
Um, so, you know, the virus is 0.5% lethal is one way to look at it. Or one in 200 people will die from it, whereas other people might think 99.5 means they're safe. And so it's very much on how the data is framed. Um, they then move on to natural immunity. Rogan mentions the calamity of nurses being fired that were likely previously exposed to COVID and cites the widely known Israeli study that natural infection is six to 13 times more effective than immunity imparted by the vaccination. And he asks why. Um, and Gupta agrees it's a surprising action that historically um, natural immunity is recognized as providing strong protection, um, but that we still don't do enough testing to know whether they have immunity and that some of the antibody tests are good and some are not. And we still don't have a good vision of how widespread the immunity is. He also states that healthcare workers with experience treating the disease should continue treating it and that if someone demonstrates it, they should. Um, and that uh, all these sites that are conducting vaccination should also be conducting antigen and antibody tests um, to tell someone whether they're contagious. Um, Gupta goes on to continue trying to get Rogan um, to get one shot of the vaccine. And, and Gupta admits that he has very good immunity. Um, and Joe jokes that Gupta is probably the only one that is glad he got better, um, which uh, they both laugh about. And then later on, towards the last hour of the podcast, Gupta returns to this discussion on natural immunity to try to get him vaccinated and that we don't have good data on how long natural immunity lasts. And then Joe Rogan responds that we don't have good data on how long the vaccine immunity lasts. Um, and then Gupta responds that effectiveness against waiting disease is lower, but not against severe outcomes. Um, and, that, and then Rogan points to SARS-CoV-1, which there are similarities to COVID-19. And people still have immunity to that disease 17 years later. And I think from this, uh, Gupta surmises that Rogan is not an anti-vaxxer as people are, are trying to portray him, but rather he, um, he thinks that most people that are vulnerable should be vaccinated and laments that millions of people listen to him and take his advice versus talking to their doctor. Because he's not a doctor. He's just, as he self-proclaims, he's an idiot that talks about things. And he thinks people should listen to people like Sanjay Gupta. Brett Weinstein and Pierre Corey and make their own decisions. They then moved on to uh, talking about the origins of COVID. Um, I think early on, uh, there were a couple of people, Robert Redfield, uh, Donald Trump, um, Tom Cotton, suggesting that uh, COVID originated in a lab. Uh, it was censored by social media companies, disparaged by any intelligence communities, and basically saying this was total bullshit. And as we now know, um, you know, through great reporting by Josh Rogan and, you know, people are coming around to this idea that it's possible, you know, that it, that it came from here. Uh, but we were our media was in such a um, anti Trump mode, um, regardless of how bad he is, that they did not properly investigate whether these things are possible. Um. And so now we know the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology worked with the EcoHealth Alliance on gain of function research, which basically is to make viruses have capabilities that they may not have had otherwise uh, to prepare for potential jumps from animal to human. Um, and it was learned that these grants were provided by Fauci and, and uh, who uh, heading uh, the NIAID to fund EcoHealth, led by Peter Datsik. Uh, which used the money for such research. Um, and famously, uh, Rand Paul interviews Fauci uh, at a congressional hearing, and, and Fauci unequivocally denies that they've ever funded gain of research, gain of, fun gain of function research. Um, 
that that grant uh, provided by Fauci to fund equal health included sub awards to Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Gupta comments that it is concerning we don't know the origin of the virus, concerning that they did this research on bats. And it's concerning that there's been no investigation, really, of the lab leak theory. There was a database that went down, um, that, that the institute ran, and workers got, got sick. Uh, but the blood samples of those workers were not released, and, and we were not allowed to have access to the lab. Actually, the person performing the access was Peter Dagzik, who clearly had a huge conflict of interest. Um, in investigating something that he's funding himself. Uh, and uh, China, we now know, uh, had been buying PPE in earlier 2019 uh, than we had been informed uh, of the virus circulating. Um, and Scott Gottlieb also mentioned that in his book, uh, Uncontrolled Spread, uh, the former FDA commissioner under Trump, uh, I believe from 2017 to 2019, now on the board of Pfizer and I believe Illumina. Um, and it's a very good book. I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, Gupta is not sure if the disease is manufactured, but that there needs to be a health organization that needs to be able to enforce things. But the but the WHO, the World Health Organization, is too beholden to China. This is something that Donald Trump said. Um, and because it came from his mouth or because it came from Republicans, it was not taken seriously or it was ridiculed. Um, and I think that's a real problem in our country now. Um, where, where facts are, are depending on who says it and who's ingesting it. Um, they then move on a bit to masks. Uh, Rogan asked Gupta if masks are effective. Uh, then Gupta whips out a mask uh, sold with the Joe Rogan podcast logo. Uh, he bought off his website um, and he jokes that, you know, masks are made in China. And Joe's like, ah, fuck. Um, and, and that was a really uh, lighthearted moment. Um, and, and Gupta thinks that they can be beneficial and that unfortunately people think that they're uh, – a panacea, um, and, and he says that they're not good. Um, and Joe pulls up a video of a doctor vaping through the mask, basically blowing a ton of smoke. It escapes everywhere through the mask and argues that they're not effective because of that. Um, and, and, and Gupta's like, where do you find this stuff? They're both laughing. And it's really enjoyable to watch those interactions happen. Um, you know, cause these people at the end of the day are, are humans just doing their best, um, to, to find the truth and, uh, and, and help people. And uh, he says it's not perfect uh, to to wear a cloth mask, but that it offers some protection, but that people really should wear KN95 masks, which um, have electrostatically charged particles. And that if you're going to be wearing a mask, they should be keep from they should be keep, uh, wearing a high quality mask. And I think what was often forgotten during this is that the person wearing the mask is more likely to pr uh, keep from spreading it versus to protect the person wearing it. Um, and I think, you know, you'll see people get in elevators and one person puts a mask on thinking that they're protected when that's never been how they work. And it's just something irrational that people do. Um, they also briefly touched on COVID variants. Um, Rogan mentions that the vaccine was developed around the original alpha virus, the original spike protein. And Gupta, Gupta says that the other variants don't look as bad as Delta, um, which appears to be more contagious than the others. Um, now we're seeing in, in, in the re recent days, uh, talk about Delta plus spreading. Um, but that was after the fact of this, uh, podcast happening. Uh, they then go on to ivermectin. Joe Rogan was in the news for taking the controversial treatment, um, known for its anti-parasitic uses in humans, as well as being used to deworm, uh, livestock or horses. The two medicines are not one and the same. And so the media's characterization of ivermectin as a horse dewormer, um, without mentioning that it's 
other, you know, Nobel Prize for treatment in humans and treating like river blindness and some other um, diseases in humans. Uh, it's 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 to smear Rogan. Um, and it's different than the argument that ivermectin for humans is an unproven treatment for COVID-19, which may very well be the case. And and so some tried to get on these technicality um, saying that, uh, you know, Don Lemon went on CNN. Uh, it is a horse dewormer and therefore we're not lying. And, you know, that's technically true. It, it There is a form of it that is a horse dewormer, but it is intellectually dishonest and on a technicality. And I think semantics are important when you're discussing complexities that affect people's behavior and how um, we view each other. Um, and it's not helpful long term to convince someone that they're honestly reporting. So those who are fervently defending CNN or those folks on CNN that are coming, you know, to defending their own network and their own reporting, you know, its characterization are likely those people. Um, that have had as many jabs as they're allowed to. Um, they, they haven't had any second thoughts about lining up for, for a shot. And, and, you know, while some people have, um, and indeed there are likely those that wished for a, a, a bad outcome for Joe Rogan. Um, and, and, uh, there's a popular thread, uh, sadly, uh, on Reddit known as the Herman Cain award. Um, and he was a former presidential candidate, businessman, a uh, big Donald Trump supporter. Um, and it's basically a sadistic cheering of those who did not heal um, to, to, the, to the medical establishment recommendations to be vaccinated or who underestimated their own susceptibility to the novel coronavirus um, and, did, and maybe didn't take the best precaution, uh, uh, NPIs, uh, non-pharmaceutical interventions like social distancing, whilst the vaccine was being developed. So he attended a, a Donald Trump rally um, and he shortly died uh, from COVID and his account continued to, to, to minimize uh, how bad COVID was. Um, and so this was highlighted recently, this award, um, in an article by Slate on September 21st entitled The Unbelievable Grimness of the Herman Cain Award, the subreddit that catalogs anti-vaxxer COVID deaths. Herman Cain did not take the necessary precautions and downplay the risks of the virus and eventually succumb to the disease. And those that are hospitalized but do not die are simply nominated for this award. An utter devaluation of, of human life. Um, uh, so there are various headlines. Uh, you can check out the actual blog post that I write um, that talk that you know show screenshots of, of of saying that Joe Rogan's praising the horse dewormer ivermectin, um, and what he says uh, to Sanjay Gupta is it's a lie on a news network. I'm paraphrasing. That's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Do you think it's a problem that your news network lies? Dude, they lied and said I was taking horse dewormer and hilariously concludes, I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. Gupta admitted to Rogan that CNN should not have referred to it as horse dewormer. If you got a human pill uh, because there were people who were taking it, the veterinary medication, and you're not obviously because you got it from a doctor, so it shouldn't be called that is what Gupta says. Indeed. Many people were taking the horse paste version sold in livestock stores. Many medications are commonly prescribed to both humans and animals alike, although albeit, uh, albeit dosages are vastly uh, different, a reason many who stupidly consumed the horse version got very ill. After his appearance on the podcast, uh, Gupta showed up on Don Lemon's show to talk about going into the lion's den, uh, and they both gaslit the country by suggesting that the original reporting was not incorrect. 
confronting Gupta. Gupta uh, was unable to muscle the courage with Don Lemon to defend Rogan on CNN and the way he admitted the fault on the Joe Rogan podcast. And Don Lemon stated, and I quote, Joe Rogan did say something about ivermectin that I think wasn't actually correct about CNN and lying. Ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse dewormer. So it is not a lie to say that the drug is used as a horse dewormer. Viewers that ingest CNN and mainstream news, I don't care if it's Fox, ABC, NBC, likely don't flinch hearing this from the network that they choose because it matches their views and their preconceived notions. But to anyone looking at this objectively, this is a mass manipulation of the narrative that demonstrates why people lost, lost faith in the media and why politicians are able to capitalize on calling the media the enemy of the people. Because when you lie on something that's not important, and uh, Rogan talks about this, and, and I, it leads me into his next quote that I think is really important. You're working for a news organization, Joe Rogan says. If they're lying about a comedian taking horse medication, what are they What are they not telling us about Russia? What are they telling us about Syria? Do you understand that's why people are concerned about the veracity of the media? Shortly after his appearance uh, in this conversation, USA Today published a piece entitled, Joe Rogan, who says he was almost vaccinated, tells others, get vaccinated and then get sick. If you were watching this, you're seeing Joe Rogan laugh, um, and he's no in no way encouraging anyone to contract this virus. So clearly when he said, uh, you know, it would be better to get the virus and recover and have amazing immunity, you know what I think you should do? I think you should get vaccinated and then get sick. This is why, because then you got the vaccine protects you from a bad infection, then you get COVID. And so then you get the robust immunity that's imparted from having the actual disease itself. You know, I don't know if it's tongue in cheek, but again, his tone is not, hey, everyone, go get sick. Go get vaccinated and go get sick. Um, and I think that's part of the appeal of Joe Rogan to people is, is he appeals to the common man, the common thinking person. Um, and, you know, he's he, he leans left, but a lot of conservatives like him, a lot of liberals like him. Um, I think the problem that people have with him is that he defies molds that people like to box if you're left wing or right wing in. Um, and if you take on any position that might be associated with the opposite party, you are, you know, persona non gratis. Um, and so he defies big government orthodoxy and he's thinking on, on himself, how he can make a decision for himself and assess his own risk. Um, and he recovered from COVID in five days, one day of being sick and he was testing negative by day five. Um, so the, even, even if he were not being facetious in his tone. There are scientists saying the same thing. I saw the same day an article and uh, there's a screenshot of it uh, published in the uh, Daily Telegraph in Australia. Don't freak out. Vaxxed Aussies who catch COVID warned. If you are fully vaccinated against COVID, the next step to improve your immunity may be to actually catch the virus. Think about that. Which one? Who? Who? Who is? Who is the dumb one? Who's right? I mean, I don't think what he's saying is is so out of the realm of something. You know, we're getting these vaccinations, which are good. If you get infected, you have a very low risk of having a bad outcome. That's why we, you know, they haven't given us an option to return perfectly to normal. We're just supposed to accept that this 
you know, this is this is this is how it is now. Um, and, and the goalposts keep moving. So it's understandable that people start to question things. Um, anyway, it's 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 true, as they discuss, um, ivermectin has not definitively been proven or accepted by anyone in the scientific community that's that's publishing um, to treat COVID. Um, and the, but the question of whether it's effective in treating it and whether the reporting on Rogan is accurate are not mutually exclusive. CNN did a disservice by not acknowledging their misstep, and that would help them regain trust. But they likely didn't lose the trust of anyone who already clung to that news network for their news. Those who are watching Joe Rogan for information are not likely having crossover with viewers that are watching CNN. And that's why Sanjay Gupta went on Joe Rogan, to reach people he may not while at CNN. Fortunately for Gupta, he does not incur encounter many thinking people that are watching CNN to spot the difference. They move on to discussing Uttar Pradesh. Um, it's a state in India. They began handing out ivermectin widely among the population as India was being absolutely ravaged by COVID. Mass deaths, burning bodies, um, and it was included in a kit as a prophylactic um, or if they got COVID. Um, and COVID incidence was basically knocked down to zero. And Gupta looked at the study and spoke to some doctors in India. He unfortunately um, lost his, uh, I believe it was his father or uncle uh, to COVID. Um, and that there was one part of the trial that was using it in people that had COVID. So it makes it hard to know whether um, it was knocking down the rate since the, it was after the fact. Um, another group that got it as a prophylactic. Um, and there was a significant decline in cases that was already happening when they started doing it. And so... He mentions it's pretty hard to tell whether it's correlation or causation, um, but that he suggests that the virus did burn through the population um, and that when there's a significant spread, you get a fair amount of natural immunity. Obviously, we may not want a virus that can kill people to burn through our population. That would probably be an inhumane way of, of, of doing things. We want to save as many lives as possible and balance that. Um, and Gupta did look at the meta-analysis maintained by Pierre Corey someone who widely endorses ivermectin to treat COVID-19. And if you even look at the meta-analysis maintained, um, it states, while many treatments have some level of efficacy, they do not replace vaccines and other measures to avoid infection. So I think it's incorrect to suggest that any scientists that are pushing ivermectin are necessarily anti-factors, but they're rather in favor of a non-blanket approach to treating the disease, especially when breakthroughs may still hospitalize certain portions of the population. Um, since no preventative or treatment is 100% effective. Um, and then Gupta took a look at a few of the analyses done in the labs to figure out what dose of ivermectin was antiviral. And they found that there were pretty high doses that were needed. The problem with the study cited by Pierre Corey, according to Gupta, is that they were also receiving death, dexamethasone. So it's tough to attribute the results of the study solely to ivermectin, as dexamethasone is used widely already in treatment of COVID patients as an effective treatment, along with prednisone, another steroid and it knocks down the inflammatory response of the disease. And I've spoke about this in my interview with, with Julian. That's something that's com uh, commonly used. Um, and if you haven't seen that podcast, um, he's a critical care nurse. I highly recommend going back and listening to that. Um, I, I think it's a really good way to get uh, look at people's, I think we need to start seeing more people's humanity um, to understand. Um, and doses found in the lab, um, on ivermectin, are, we're going to be need to hire than, than those uh, administered for intent, intended use, and that the vaccine has more data behind it. And we don't know what the effect on those higher doses will be. Um, they may be more toxic than a regular dose of ivermectin. 
Um, I think what was funny is that multiple times that Gupta calls COVID-19 shot a therapeutic as opposed to a vaccine. Um, and I think that might even be a more honest one, uh, as vaccinations typically prevent infection of a disease, whereas the COVID shot uh, is marketed more as something that will reduce the spread and severity. And, you know, if that is true, I'm not a medical expert, but, you know, that is a marketing problem. You know, we can say, hey, this will not prevent you from getting it if that's if that's true, right? But it reduces the chances, and if you get it, um, you know, you're, you're less likely to have a severe outcome. I think people associate vaccination with not getting it. Um, and, 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 uh, uh, and I think that might be maybe as part of the problem where I could be completely wrong. It's really uh, open to open to suggestions on that. Uh, they move on to talking about vaccination and lifestyle choices. Uh, Rogan talks about how he just wanted to catch COVID and then recover because he's healthy, he takes care of himself, etc. Most would likely be fine. And he said many take that approach. Um, but Gupta remarks that he is a healthy person, but most people aren't. Rogan says people should get healthy and we should encourage them to get healthy to prevent a lot of things like heart disease. Yes, totally agree. 95% of people that die from COVID have four or more comorbidities. And we're telling people that the injection of vaccine is a band-aid on one problem, but the overall metabolic health of the country is poor. We're saying get this vaccine and you can have two free Krispy Kreme donuts, right? That does not encourage health. For a future pandemic, people need to be healthy. They need to exercise. They need to drink water. They need to take vitamins, make healthy choices. And those are not encouraged by, as much by the government. Um, we, we live in a society, you know, living off of McDonald's and, and, and manufactured genetically modified food. Um, and, and Gupta remarks that 42% of the country is obese or morbidly obese, and the risk of severe COVID is four to time, five times higher for that population. Rogan wants the president and others who have had ample opportunity in press conferences to advocate for this, not just for COVID, but as a frontline defense for everything. Um, and, and in a crisis that's happening that's very acute, yeah, you're not going to be able to implement that to stop the transmission, but people need to take those steps and not just rely on one shot and then go about their day being unable to run a mile or walk down the block pending any other you know genetic um, things that put them in that position that they can't control. And Gupta states that uh, you're 113% more likely to end up in the ICU with COVID if you are obese. And there's a nuance to these discussions that you can't shame people that are obese, but that's not the same as encouraging people to be a healthy weight. And they agree that telling people they're obese is not the same as shaming them. Um, and, and Gupta mentions that, you know, what you've eaten in the morning can affect the, how you affected the, how you're reacted uh, to the disease if you catch it later that night. And wealthier countries were harder hit than poorer countries by COVID because wealthier countries like the United States are likely to overeat and be an unhealthy weight. We have easy access to McDonald's at the click of a, of a button on a phone or a screen. Um, and COVID may, may likely be stick, stick around longer in people with more fat cells. They then move on to discussing the media. Uh, Joe Rogan says, I quote, uh, with a little bit of uh, editorializing, people think I hate CNN. I don't. Look, I think news organizations have a very specific function in our society. It's a very important function. It's to inform people. When they lie about things like that, it's so pointless to me. We already have the highest level of distrust in media. I don't know if it's because of Trump or people exposing parts of the news that weren't accurately depicted. I have a great deal of respect for journalism. There's an issue today where too much emphasis is put on ratings. 
Rogan remarks that for the most part, Fox News and CNN report the news, but they get ideologically conflicted to sell clicks to get people to tune in, which is dangerous and foolish because it changes the way people view the news. Um, and, and Gupta agrees with him that the news has very much become opinion-based and editorialized to feed the 24-7 news cycle. The last thing that um, I, I think I think is, is, is a good thing to touch upon is leaky vaccines. Um, he Rogan asks if, if vaccines that can leak and it selects for stronger viruses are, 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 are something that can be a danger because they target the specific protein. Um, Gupta says that if not enough people are immune, either through vaccination or natural infection, more variants can arise. Um, but if the idea is that more people have immunity to the original variant, you can ultimately slow the spread to bring this under control. Uh, Rogan asks whether viruses mutate into more spreadable but less dangerous viruses, and Gupta agrees that this is what viruses do. Viruses don't want to kill their host but want to spread easily. I think the main takeaway I have is that, one, Rogan's asking questions. I think that's really important. I think it's important to ask questions. We're in a dangerous place if we don't ask questions. Two, he's open to being wrong. I think that's another important thing. He has his opinions, um, and if he's proven wrong, I, I, you know, I, I think that's important. Um, and we need more people like Joe Rogan in all walks of life that can be skeptical and look into things and not accept things as absolute truths until they've done their own investigations because we have to recognize we are human. We have biases. We have preconceived notions. We have schema, the way we were raised, where we grew up, the things we experience. And I really had an appreciation. You know, you never see Sanjay Gupta in long in long format. Joe Rogan's show is three hours long. Sanjay Gupta doesn't pop in to talk to anyone for three hours. And the media, you know, on right wing news networks focused on their clashes, you know, and, and left wing focused on trying to make Joe Rogan look wrong or stupid. But I think if, if, if every person were to watch this, they would come away thinking, yes, we can have a conversation. It's important to have a conversation. And that's the way forward for free discussion in this country. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Opposing Points podcast.